Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 151 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio and I am one of your co-hosts. I am joined as always tonight by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy. He is joining me for part two of this last ride. Mr. Travis White. And Travis, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, there's nobody I'd rather take this last ride with than you, my friend. We've watched The Undertaker's entire career together. Uh, We're on the tail end of it in our podcast, but now that The Undertaker's career is officially ended in his own words with a tiny little asterisk next to those words uh we're recapping this series of the last ride last week we did episodes one through three this week we're talking about the final two chapters here it was too big for one episode we had to split it up man and uh you know it's been a few weeks now but it still doesn't even seem real that the undertaker has rode off into the sunset yeah i know that seem real but they're keeping it fresh in our minds you know they had some stuff at money in the bank with aj styles running into that room that had undertaker's crap in it right right this past week on smackdown they had a whole they had a whole night devoted to him and um kind of came out of the blue honestly um but it was pretty cool i haven't seen the whole episode yet i just haven't had time but i have seen some clips i saw the ending and i think it's cool uh to have had uh, jeff hardy be the one kind of at the end uh doing the like the, the taker shakespeare pose because he i mean that guy's night was i guess career was made that one night in 2002 with taker so yeah man I, I agree with you i thought very very symbolic very cool for uh jeff to do the undertaker's pose at the end of that tribute um i mean just cool to see guys like the New Day and Matt Riddle and stuff and Braun Strowman like paying mm-hmm. tribute to The Undertaker. Um, but yeah, it, you know, who else on the roster would really make sense to do that tribute? Yeah, you know, obviously things are limited right now with, with the virus and, uh, you know, WWE's stuff is all screwed up, you know, because of that. But um, yeah, it's just the, there's not many guys left to, that have that personal connection. Uh, that that would matter that that would mean something to do that and you know they never well they were in elimination chamber together so they did have one sort of pay-per-view match but they never quite had a pay-per-view feud and yet that one match on raw just holds so much power so much significance it's probably the most memorable non-pay-per-view match of undertaker's career and like you said it made jeff hardy so really neat to see Mm -hmm. him getting be getting to be able to 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 take center stage in that tribute yeah and i know you hate baron corbin and <laughs> i think he's a fantastic heel and he, what he's doing a his better job you know performer than to get exactly what a better performer than to get like he was mocking taker the whole time stuff but he was great man and then just really cool um you know interviews with you know, taker's peers throughout the night and they showed the boneyard match kind of an edited version of it but that match is 
epic. You know, it's, I can't wait to talk about that on the show. So, well, we are going to talk about it. Uh, full disclosure: this uh, we're recording a new intro. We actually recorded this stuff uh, last week, uh, pretty much right just two days after this final episode aired, uh, and then we ended up splitting the episode in half because it because it ran long and because uh, we had some scheduling needs. So, uh, you know, we needed to to make it a two parter here. Um, we'll get to we'll take you there to that in just a moment. Uh, Travis, I know you wanted to bring up one other thing uh, that recently has been on the WWE Network with the Mark Henry Broken Skull podcast, uh, Broken Skull Sessions that just aired on there. I have not had a chance to watch it yet, uh, but they've all been fantastic so far. I will definitely watch it over this long July 4th weekend. Uh, But it seems like every episode, Undertaker, some some facts, some stories have come up about him. He's kind of like in that... He's in Andre the Giant and Ric Flair territory now that, like, everybody mm-hmm. has got an Undertaker story. And everybody loves to tell Undertaker stories, too. Oh, yeah. And Mark Henry, he's, he talks about, you know, t- him thinking Taker was ribbing him when he first came in and calling him, oh, there's a new baby face. But Mark Henry didn't know what the term baby face meant. He was like, I ain't got no baby face and all this stuff. But <laughs> anyway, and then he talks about Taker kind of taking him under his wing later on and Stuff like that. And then he talks about, I think Austin asked him something about just, you know, what'd you learn being in the ring with Taker? And he just said everything. You know, I just learned, I learned, I learned how to work once I was in the ring with him. You know, I learned about the little things, you know, and he said, and I'll tell you what, I've been in this business for since 95 or whatever. And he said, there's nothing like being in that ring when Taker's music hits. Like, there's nothing like, like being in there. So, he talks a little bit about how um, you know his career started and stopped and stuff, but Taker was always there to help him out and give him pointers and stuff. But it's really cool. I, won't, I don't want to spoil all of it or anything, but just I'd, I'd encourage you. A, Mark Henry is a fantastic interview, and he's so emotional. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's so passionate about the business. That's why that's, he's the, he and Bully Ray are the reason I listen to Busted Open Radio, mainly him because he's, he's such a fantastic mind for the business, but really cool Taker stuff there. I recommend you guys check it out. He really is such a great storyteller, uh, like you said, such a great mind. Mm, but he's mm-hmm. so smart and it's so funny. Not like that didn't seem to come out until the very end of his career when he really started. Yeah. to you could see that in him, and you could. He was so great on promos during that Hall of Pain run. But man, for so long it was just not mm. there. And uh, uh, so it's really cool to see him as this elder statesman now. And. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be good. All of those Broken Skull Sessions interviews are A-plus uh, must-watch stuff uh, for all of us fans. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that does it for us here right now. Uh, we will now take you over. Uh, we're going to cover chapters four and five of the Last Ride series. We covered episodes one through three last week, so definitely go back and listen to that. Like I said last week, I'm sure... All of you have seen these two episodes, but if for some bizarre reason you haven't seen these two episodes, definitely go check those out. Rewatch them, uh, and we will <laughs> tell you our favorite moments. We'll pass out some Undie Awards, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the emotional ending <laughs> to the Last Ride series. Which is going to take us to Chapter 4, which is called The Battle Within. So this one starts out with... Uh, a lot of really early footage um, talking about mm-hmm. Undertaker living the gimmick. And uh, Mick Foley talks about how 
he feels like he knows Mark Calloway less now than he did when he first met him, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is really a funny thing to say. Um, and we get some great, great classic footage of Paul Bearer and mm-hmm. you know, my favorite stuff ever, which is the stuff of them building the coffins for Kamala yep. and Yokozuna inside the barn and um, some outtakes in the graveyard. Man, I, I need a whole special just on <laughs> graveyard outtakes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. Yeah, Taker's like shaking a little skull or something at one point. It's hilarious. Yeah, all these all this B-roll footage was great, man. And then Pritchard talking about how he like cuz I think people give Taker and Vince a lot of credit for this character, but Bruce Pritchard, he takes a lot of credit for it, but like <laughs> I give him a lot too, man, because like yeah. he really was yeah. involved in it. Like he talks about here like I bought books about morticians and about undertakers and about the old West and about death and dying and stuff. Like we wanted to make this character like as authentic as possible to fit in a wrestling, you know, ring. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, he says he bought them. He doesn't say he read them. No, I don't know. <laughs> Taker, but I know, you know, Taker's one of I'm his lifelong friends. And, uh, he just, I know he really, the Kane storyline is one of his favorite things. And no, he named absolutely. his son Kane, but you know, it's just uh, it was pretty cool to see him talk about how the, how much they all invested into it. So, uh, much like Which, Chris Jericho, I think Bruce Pritchard is his own biggest fan, but he yeah. is absolutely a pivotal part of this. And uh, you know, yes, he he, he clearly uh, worked with the Undertaker, and you know, he was at a lot of these promos, and he was part of building that foundation of who the undertaker is without a doubt. Uh, I would never argue that. Um, and so there's some just classic stuff of, um, undertaker appearing in character as the undertaker at all these functions yeah. on Regis and Kathy Lee. I love seeing <laughs> Reg on there for a moment. Um, him with Michael Hayes at some big event outside some arena. And, yeah. Um, some classic moments of guys trying to make him break character throughout the years. And how are you, Undertaker? Fine. Oh, good. Are those enough words? <laughs> what would you like to hear? Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> so much professionalism and so much control over his emotions and, and, and this character. You know what you need? You need a vacation. You need to get you an RV to go for a couple thousand miles. It was a running gag or joke, whatever you want to call it with us, to try to get him to break character. Almost got you, I damn sure got me. Oh, yeah, just with the, the Taker Rooney and Kurt Angle, like, kissing him. And <laughs> I, they must have been on the overseas flight or something, because Taker's like, it's a long flight, old boy. <laughs> threatening him. And, but the best one is JBL. I guess it's a dark, dark segment or whatever. I don't know, but it is JBL's talking about, you know, Maybe you should go uh, take a you know t- take a ride in a or take a ride in an RV or something. Go cross country or something like that. Which uh, this is not on the episode, but I want to go ahead and break down this down because Taker mentioned on After the Bell last week with Corey Graves that JBL is actually referring to a true story. He said that you know they're really good friends, and he knew that he had just bought an RV that wound up being just the hugest limit of a purchase. <laughs> like it was just dead, and he said I spent wound up spending way too much money trying to sue the guy that I bought it from. So this at this point, JBL is like literally ribbing him in the ring about something he knows he's going to laugh about. So, And you can see Taker biting his lip. 
like not to laugh at that oh, yeah. RB comment. So it was, it was great. He's yeah. got the little tiniest smile cracking on his face. And yeah. He's so close, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, there's actually yeah. a, one of, another one of the bonus scenes on YouTube uh, is JBL kind of going off about that story a little bit too and explaining what you just said on there. So um, that was cool. Cool moment. Glad they talked about that. And uh, that all kind of transitions into this period after that Crown Jewel match where Undertaker, he's, uh, he, he this is when he first got on social media, uh, was doing Instagram yeah. and Twitter for the first time. He talks about, okay, I've been so committed to this character. I've passed up so many opportunities to make money and to do extra stuff. I'm at the end of my career. I want to do some of this stuff now. And this was when he signed on for StarCast for the big uh, podcast slash autograph convention that Conrad Thompson did a few of. Um, I guess it's, I guess they're not doing them anymore. They did three or four of them, but uh, I mean, maybe they'll go back to it, whatever. But Undertaker was announced. He was the headlining guy for this and then pulled back from it because this was right when AEW was actually going to launch too. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting. A, that they talked about it and showed the logo, but Taker, Taker said, he said, it was never pitched to me that this other company was even associated with it. So, you know, and I think, you know, Conrad talks about how they yeah. are supposed to be separate things. They just, they just coincide at the same time, you know, but so, but I did think it was a little weird that mm, he wasn't really brought into the light about it being in conjunction with AEW, but Anyway, but Taker seemed kind of offended talking about this. Like, you know, why would anyone consider I'm going to jump ship? You know, are you serious? Like, I didn't jump ship. Like you mentioned earlier, he didn't go anywhere during the tough, tough times, like the early 90s, mid 90s in WWE. So, you know, and then he's like, you know, me and Vince had a brief falling out. And then we got it settled. And then he does his little, like, Jim Halpert face for those of you office fans. <laughs> he, he does it all throughout this episode. Like, he's like, looks at the camera and does, like, a smirk and then rolls his eyes in the back of his head. So, like, not Taker style, but, like, rolling his eyes. Yeah. He says it's been all sunshine and rainbows ever since they talked it out here. And yeah. I swear yeah. he's watched The Office. I swear him and Michelle. He has it. to. Yeah. <laughs> he is pulling a lot of Halpert faces here. Yeah. Uh, but that's sort of the overarching theme. And this episode is. Um, sort of that falling out a little bit between and a little awkward tension between Undertaker and Vince because after that I mean and I'm sure Vince cost Taker a, a nice big payday on this Starcast thing I'm sure he was going to get a nice uh, we talked about how much money he must have made from that signing that we went Golly. to just trying to do yeah. the math on that um, and then Undertaker is he's not booked man he's a uh, uh, <laughs> What's the guy from Beyond the Mat? Uh, Dennis Stamp. He's Duh, not booked. Dennis Stamp. <laughs> He's yeah. not booked at Mania 35. Yeah. Um, and uh, the whole story of that, for the first time in 14 years, he's not going to be on the WrestleMania card. Yeah, it's crazy. And he, you know, he talks about, you know, I'm okay with it, but it, it, you can see it become real when he's actually there, you oh, know, yeah. and he's not on the card and he's yeah. sitting backstage in Gorilla, but he tries to, you know, ah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm cool, but he's definitely hurt, you know, and he talks about it's, it's a rough night, but, you know, it's bittersweet because, yeah, he's not on the card, he's not going to do what he does at WrestleMania, which, you know, between him, now that Shawn Michaels is retired again, he's he is Mr. WrestleMania, you know, so, but you get to see him, 
he's like, you know, I had had the weekend off. I wasn't stressing about worrying about my match or going through walkthroughs or rehearsals. I got to enjoy access and spend time with taking what's her daughter's name, Kaya, Kayla, uh, I Kaya, think so. something. Kaya. Yeah, I think yeah. So. Taking her to see, you know, mommy's divas title and going and doing all the stuff and calling matches on the little stuff at access. And so, you know, he got to cut loose and enjoy the time. So that was pretty cool. Which is kind of. How do you balance, balance these two things? That's the episode's called the Battle Within. You know, like I want to still go, but I want to have my family too. So, yeah, you see that family aspect of this really creeping into him, and being this bigger uh, draw on his life as well here. But uh, we get the great story of whoever the booking committee is deciding, well, we're going to use Undertaker on Raw on Monday. Um, is that cool with you? And Taker's like, <laughs> I guess, but I don't have my gear. And they're like, uh, well, Dude. go get it, pal. <laughs> so he flies home to Houston, what? grabs his gear, and flies back to New York for, for the show. And uh, just this classic interaction with Vince. What a rookie mistake, though. You know? Well, they all say he's that. not booked. <laughs> no, no they always say it. you always travel with your gear. That but is true. Yes, you're right. He he is taken though, but it's funny they're just ribbing him. But yeah, he, he like I say he gets back and uh, he's backstaging Gorilla and Vince is you know giving him hard times like you know whoa you know Pala. to that dig at each other you know but um man just i can watch these two guys talk but um well then ben says he's gonna book taker against uh giant gonzalez's son (laughs) 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 which if i had to bet i wouldn't have thought vince remembered who giant gonzalez was so i'm I'm amazed that he pulled that out (laughs) yeah i know well let me go ahead and tell the story too it's something after the bell podcast too taker talks about uh when he was like scouting Yokozuna, he'd seen him wrestle or whatever. And, um, he was like, he, he said, he goes to Vince. He's like, I, I want to work. Like, can you put me in first with this guy? This was what? 93. Yeah. 93, 94. Yep. He's like, you know, can you put me in this first and Vince? Said, no, no pal. I got somebody else for you. And he points, he's, like, he's right there. And he points on the hallway and John Gonzalez is in the hallway. <laughs> and Taker's like, I was so mad. He said, I literally left WCW hoping I'd never see that guy again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I go to WWE and I have to work with him in WrestleMania. So anyway, that's not on the last ride documentary. I want to, I would like to encourage you guys to listen to after the bell with Corey Graves. It was great. That's anyway, amazing. I just thought it fit well right here. So. <laughs> uh. Well, <laughs> thank God he didn't have to work with his son or him any time during this show or anything like Golly. that. But uh, uh, Batista, we get a great moment with him again. He's another low-key great part of this series and jokes about mm-hmm. with Undertaker saying, well, not on the card, man. I'm going to steal your moves tonight. And Taker's like, well, <laughs> just do them right. And uh, yeah. 
you just see that um, bond between those guys. And we've talked about it on the show, just how pivotal Undertaker was to Batista's career. You can see, you know, even in 2020 when they're interviewing him, how, how much that still rings true. Yeah. And, you know, you can see how hurt he is at, at not being at WrestleMania, but he does get his moment the next night with, with Elias, which I assumed that's who he's going to work with at Saudi, but it's not. <laughs> I thought they were going to build towards Saudi with him and Elias, but it's, it's Goldberg instead. <laughs> yeah, they tease some stuff with Elias a few times, and you know he Multiple plays a times. part in that Extreme yeah. Rules match and kind of does some stuff at that WrestleMania 34 at the beginning of that, but they never really work mm-hmm. together. This is sort of the only thing... Uh, they really do. So, yeah, he gets that moment on Raw. He's got the straps down on Raw. I think that he's trying to, like, show Vince and everybody, like, all right, you didn't book me on WrestleMania. I'm yeah. in great shape, man. I can still go. I think yeah. that's deliberate. <laughs> um, and, yeah, uh, this starts the build to Goldberg, Undertaker, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, gives us the backstage moment of Matthew McConaughey and Lance Armstrong, you know, but mainly Matthew McConaughey backstage paying their respects to the dead man, which was not, uh, I was not expecting that. (laughs) That No, that was amazing. Not at all. expecting that. It was, it was excellent. I I loved it. So, so, so good. Yeah. And that's going to take us to, to Saudi and we'll cover this match in death later, but you know, Goldberg got concussed real early Leads to some missteps, which is, you know, I'd say some some big missteps, you know, big, bad stuff, you know. And Taker's reaction after the match, he said, you know, that was my legit reaction. Like, I don't normally show that, but I was legit disappointed, you know. And But, you know, he goes on to talk about, you know, I literally came inches away from not walking again, maybe, you know. And he's like, you know, I, I had to think about my wife and kids. Like, is it worth it anymore? I'm two inches away, you know. So... And then Michelle McCool talks about how she, if you know, she watches matches and texts him, and are you okay? And he usually says, "I'm okay, babe." This time he admitted, like, "I'm in my back is in pain." So she knows him. She knows if he's admitting he's in pain, he's in some serious pain. I instantly text our doctors. I was like, "Is he okay?" Normally, if he's away and I know something's happened, I'm texting my babe, "You okay?" And it's normally, "Yeah, I'm good. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm good." And I text him, like, how bad is it? He's like, man, my back is jacked up. And I was like, for him to admit that he was truly in some serious pain, I don't think I could even fathom how bad it really was. It's just like, wow, that was really close to being catastrophic. It's a huge turning point. Um, the commentary they show during this match is Michael Cole's like, Oh, Goldberg wanted the jackhammer, didn't get all of it. (laughs) That's one way to put it, man. It is just, I remember watching it live, just thinking what everybody Mm -hmm. thought. Like, oh my God, he broke his neck. Uh, I don't know how he's going to get up from that. It, It is painful to watch every time they show a replay of it. And yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to blame Goldberg. I mean, that's an accident. He, he's not getting a concussion mm-hmm. on purpose, but who that match is the definition of Yikeroni. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, I thought it was interesting. We don't hear from Goldberg at all on this special. I don't know if there is heat between those guys at all over any of this stuff going down. Um, but 
you know, we hear from pretty much everybody else during this whole series, but there's no Goldberg interviews, no part of him talking about this. So I don't know if Takers still holds a grudge over that at all. Um, just thought that was interesting. I've heard him in some interviews since he's been doing this. And he has, he hasn't ever said anything negative about Goldberg. And I, I think on Goldberg's 24, they talk about it a little bit. And he talks about how, you know, he's apologized and it is what it is. But, yeah. you know, I don't think there's any. I mean, there's two old guys out there in the 100 degrees sand, you know, like sand just, heat. Like, this, was, this is a bad idea. Probably yeah. shouldn't have happened. Right. Right. It, yeah. It's cool so, that it know, happened. But... And it, everyone hoped for the best. And it was like. If it could have worked, it would have been really awesome, but it just, it was the worst possible outcome for that match. And so, obviously, Undertaker's not retiring off of that. He can't possibly do it, even though he's feeling these doubts and these fears. And so maybe that's why he comes back for a tag team match, Playa, at Extreme Rules 2019. Maybe that's part of why that happens, is so he can maybe not have to carry all the weight of a big match. And he can go in there with guys like Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. Um, and he can come in and do his spots and do his stuff and, and work around his limitations a little bit. Yeah. And that was a fun match. It was a great match. It came off great. We'll talk about it in depth on here. And, you know, at the end of the match, you know, he wins with a tombstone on Shane and, he and Roman kind of pose in the ring. He kind of passed Roman on the on the you know chest, kind of almost passing the torch like, and kind of gives him a nod. And it looks like they kind of made up for their WrestleMania match. And you know he comes straight back to Gorilla and tells Vince, you know, I'm done. You know, he says, you know, uh, that's it. Uh, he's like, I don't mean to spring that on you, but I guess I did spring it on you. But you know, I, uh, you know, Vince is like, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, Mark. But you know, I'll follow your lead, and you know. At this point, he's says he's finished. I, that could be it. He can go out on this on a shield there, I guess. Yeah, he's been looking for this way out for about two years now, and it's just never felt right. And the first time he has a good match, pretty much since mm-hmm. uh, over the past two <clears throat> years, he's like, okay, well, you, I'll, I'll be done here. That, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I don't believe him here. I don't believe he's walking out at extreme rules at this. B show. I don't believe he's gonna be okay with with being. Th- I, I believe he might have thought that in the moment, but I would have never thought that would be his actual last match here. Right. Well, it it takes me back to a quote that <clears throat> he says earlier. He says, you know, with regards to wrestling, basically, he's like, you know, it's it's not about the money; it's about the passion. This has always been the one thing in my life that I know that I that I know without a doubt. At this point, I got the, I know how to, I got the answers. I know what to do in those situations. And, you know, uh, you don't always know those things as, as a husband, as a father. You know, this is the one thing that I've always felt like if something came up, I, I had the answer. Which is, you know, an interesting look on the only thing he has complete control over. So, like, when he walks back through the stage here and says, tells Vince, like, I'm done, like, he had control. I guess knowing that he could go out that way, but like you said, I, I don't think he. I don't think he was going to go out at Extreme Rules. But I did think it's it's a. Uh, it really again hu- humanizes him with that quote. You know, like this is the only thing in his life. He's done it for thirty years. He's like, you know, as a dad, as a husband, I don't have all the answers. I'm. He's shown his vulnerability, you know, and 
uh, I don't know, man. I just thought it was a really, really cool quote and uh, shows how he's almost like psychologically coping for his, uh, I guess, his limitations and as a human with this inhuman character he's been playing and this persona he's had for 30 years. And kind of right after that, Undertaker talks about saying he told Shawn Michaels on several occasions, man, I, I should have left with you. And um, Batista, mm-hmm. again, just gets right to the point of it and says, I think there's something inside of Undertaker that worries about what's going to happen with this business when he leaves. It's like it's his child. And he doesn't. he's scary for him to step away and let it go on its own. I mean, mm-hmm. more than anybody else, this is all Undertaker has ever known. Like, there's so many guys right. from that era, whether it's Hogan or... Austin, Batista himself, The Rock, Cena, so many guys that have had movie careers and other stuff to go off to. And then Triple H, you know, he's been on the business side of things for years. Right. Shawn Michaels has even done movies and, you yeah, know, working in NXT. Kane's the mayor. Kane's <laughs> the mayor. Sure. Uh, yeah. Taker is only ever done wrestling, that's his mm-hmm. thing. Uh, big show even mm-hmm. big shows got the big show show big show show show, show. <laughs> he's got other yeah. stuff man taker this is it man when he leaves this i'm sure it is it weighs heavy on him like what is after this how do i let go mm-hmm. of this and um man it is uh you, you connect to that emotion to that reality going on here yeah you really do really really do well, the show ends with a little tease once again to the final episode as we see Undertaker and AJ walking and talking in the hallway at Extreme Rules. So, uh, nice little uh, final note here going into Chapter 5. But uh, let's get your awards, man. What do you? Uh, what was your best cameo in Episode Number 4? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> There's no, no question, baby. There's no, no question. question. <laughs> Although, uh, I'll give a runner-up to Regis. I enjoyed seeing Regis Philbin on there. I always Dude, that for him. film, that footage was like from the bottom of a, tri- like a shipwreck or something. It was awful. <laughs> it was so blurry and like crappy. It's not great. Not uh, great. It was great to see, though. Uh, funniest moment. Man, maybe just, just those guys trying to crack him. Uh, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry. I'm sorry. Vince, Vince talking about, you know, John Gonzalez's sons. Who's yes, gonna wrestle. I think sure. that's it for me. Um, we didn't mention yeah. it, but I'll, I'll say there's this moment in Extreme oh. Rules where yeah. the, I guess the caterer or somebody comes up to Undertaker and AJ saying, that guy, you got some Diet Dr. Pepper because you, you guys are the only two guys that drink that stuff. And <laughs> AJ says something about, oh, yeah, I got to have that DDP. Uh, and Undertaker <laughs> Does like a double take. Says, "Hold on now, man. Don't use that. Don't use that phrase around me." I was actually looking for some diet Dr Pepper because you two are the only people I know that drink that stuff. I guess he still harbors some ill will. I don't know. He's still man. a little hot about that. That's uh, funny. All right, and biggest revelation at episode number four for you? Um, I don't know if it's a revelation, but ju- just that quote I just I just talked about. You know, you guess I guess it is a revelation because you see that's literally the name of the next chapter. But you mm. see that reveals you know that he he is human and he's like I said it's almost like he's overcompensating 
for the rest of his life where he doesn't he may not have all the answers and he's not in control but he's got all the answers here this is his his uh his realm so i'll say just the fact that undertaker basically told vince he was done after extreme rules right there i, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that and um can't believe mm-hmm. that he said that to him right there and didn't want to go to WrestleMania or anything like that. But the fact that he was okay at that moment, at least with being done right there, that was pretty shocking to me. Yep. But of course yep. it is not the end, but this one is man. Episode five, chapter five, like you just said, called revelation here. Um, just aired a couple nights ago on the WWE network and man, one of the most spectacular finales you could ever imagine here um just a perfect hour hour or so of television that airs um very emotional as we see taker walking out of that extreme rules pay-per-view and heads off to hawaii with the family for a couple weeks and uh but michelle says she wasn't counting him out yet she didn't believe that he was quite done yeah, and she says, you know, he's been Undertaker for 30 years, and I'm afraid that he isn't sure what Mark Calloway does next, which is like we just mentioned about, you know, he's got all the answers for everything else. Like, he's he's finally coming to grips with he's got to hang up his boots, and he's got to become a human again. He's got to put this persona down. He's got to be a dad and a husband and, you know, full time. I just think it's it's great, and Triple H, again, just nails a homer here. He says, you know, the easiest person to lie to is yourself. The dragon is still there. And you're still chasing. You're not done. What he deserves is not the moment. He deserves to be satisfied. Hmm. Which is true about anybody. That's such like a philosophical like, like mic drop right there. It's great. But, you know, and he says, you know, but Taker deserves to be satisfied. He does deserve it. You know, but, that's... That's the thing. He doesn't. We don't deserve to get all the stuff that he's given us. You know, no. he's the one who deserves nope. to be happy and satisfied with all this. So, uh, like you said, he is going to come to MSG again after that final time at Madison Square Garden. Um, <laughs> just cutting a promo on an episode of SmackDown, but uh, really cool moment as Taker talks about. He loves all the pictures on the wall inside Madison Square Garden, seeing guys like Elvis and Muhammad Ali. And then on this night, they had put up a poster of him giving a leg drop to mm-hmm. Kane at WrestleMania 20, right above a picture of Elvis. And how cool that was for him. Dude, I just, I think Elvis and Muhammad Ali is the perfect combination of what The Undertaker is. Man, mm-hmm. like you got sports and entertainment commingling right there. The icon, the uh, mm-hmm. the person who most embodies both of those things. He's this great athlete, yeah. this great entertainer. Uh, it's kind of perfect that he talks about those two guys together. It really is, man. I just you, again, you just can't you can't write this stuff. It's, it's great, real life playing out before us. It's awesome, and just like I said, how cool for him to see that and. Um, you know, one one thing he does say here too is like he's like, if you're in tune with what you with what I do, you can tell it takes me a little longer to leave the ring now. He's like, you know, everybody knows my entrance is long, but it's taking me a little bit longer to leave the rings now. He says, you know, I want the fans to know how much 
they have sustained me over the years, you know, and how grateful I am for getting me through so much, you know, whether it's personal stuff or surgeries or whatever, you know, he says, and I think again, he says here, you know, I'm, I'm good at it. I'm at a place here where it's okay if I never wrestle again. It's after he's at MSG, so, which we know is is like Triple H just said, the easiest person to lie to is yourself. So, he, uh, but seeing how much he holds us fans, he yes. holds us fans in high regard, and that's that's a huge revelation for me watching this series. He starts to get a little emotional here too, um, as he at first he. Uh, He's asking for the interviewer or the cameraman to get him some uh, makeup wipes. He's like, well, sh- I don't wear makeup. Uh, it's my war-, war mask he's got on. And that kind of yeah. uh, inspires him to talk about his relationship with his dad, which was really special to watch mm-hmm. on Father's Day this past Sunday. Really timely. Mm-hmm. Makeup remover? Yeah, I'm glad you said it, not me. Cut that. I don't wear makeup, man. This is my war mask. That's what I used to tell my dad. My, I brought my dad one time when he was still alive. I was in Houston working at the old summit. I brought my dad backstage with me. He was kind of shadowing me everywhere I went. And it was time to start getting ready. And he's asking me questions you know, about my boots or whatever it was, you know, my hat, my coat. Then <laughs> I did the eyes last. And he was, I looked over at him. And he was just like, he's just shaking his head like... Yes, Dad, your six foot eight, three hundred and thirty pound son is putting on eye makeup. He's like, I would have never. <laughs> but there was nobody any prouder than my dad. No one more upset about my my career choice, but no one more proud by the end of it. Uh, we see some awesome photos of Taker playing basketball in high school and college, mm-hmm. and then actual photos of, of Mark Calloway and his dad together. Man, just really, really special as he talks about that bond he has with him or had with him. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And like I said, Tina on Father's Day was, was, was pretty neat, you know. It wasn't lost on me that this episode was dropping on Father's Day. I just, oh, yeah. you know, that was pretty cool. Uh, that leads into the drama of AJ Styles petitioning Undertaker to have a match at WrestleMania kind of based on the Broken Skull Sessions episode with The Undertaker, uh, interview with Stone Cold had where Taker said he he wanted to go out on his own terms. And so AJ decides, well, right. if he's going to have one more match, I'm at least going to try to get him to have it with me. Um, I uh, Yeah, the worst he can say is no, he said. The worst he can <clears> say <throat> is no. The worst thing I saw was, Undertaker, was AJ Styles' mustache on this episode, man. Why have I... <laughs> At first, I was like, it hasn't always been like that. And it hasn't. But what is, what is no. up? Why is it shaved between his nose <laughs> and his upper lip, man? What is the deal uh, with that? Just keeping it thin, man. <laughs> Pencil thin mustache t- time. I don't know, man. I hate that. Yeah. It's not always <laughs> like that. But it, it was here. He had it cut real, 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 real tight. Real close to the lip. Yeah, I didn't so. care for that. No, but he's, you know, yeah, it was weird. But it is cool seeing him. You know, he's like... I just, you know, if he says no, he, he says he, he called Taker without talking to Vince. He's like, because if he says no, there's no reason to even bring it up. To him. But <clears throat> Taker says he told AJ that, you know, we would have tore the place down 10 to 15 years ago, but I got no aspirations to get back in the ring. And then it's funny because we cut to a talking head from, from Edge, and Edge is like, you know, if there's anyone on the roster I want to get back in the ring with, it's AJ Styles if I'm Taker. Like, that's the guy. Like, that is the guy to get back in the ring with. And then 
Taker talks about how, you know, he's something that we've both hit on here. It's like, you know, I work better with smaller guys, you know, and they show some clips of him with like Angle and Brett and Rey Mysterio, I think even, mm-hmm. and uh, Sean. They don't they don't show Nunzio, but... <laughs> I could have. <laughs> That's the best last ride ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to go into that, uh, they show... Um, well, they talk. Well, Michelle McCool kind of basically talks Taker into doing it. He's saying, you know, if you're gonna do it, he's the guy to do it with, and there's nobody better. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we see Undertaker. <clears throat> this was so awesome going to the performance yes. center to give some wisdom to some other big guys. Um, I don't know all these guys' names. I, I recognize Keith Lee and uh, Punishment. Damian Martin- Priest. Is Damian it, yeah. Priest. That's his yeah. WWE name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then these two big um, Middle Eastern guys, I think their name is, uh, they're on They're on the show now with Malcolm Bivens as their uh, little mouthpiece, but they're they're pretty good. And then I thought I saw Dijakovic in there, but maybe not. But Matt Riddle's actually in there when Taker's at the doorway, <laughs> then he leaves, I guess, because he's not a big guy. But right. that would have been funny to see him and bro talking <laughs> to Taker. <laughs> but um, everybody Taker kicked him out. But it was really neat seeing these big guys and just seeing, like, dude, I would love to have been in that in that room oh, that night and he watched tape of those guys and actually gets in the ring yeah. with a few of them and you know was, uh, which was just awesome there's a wonderful shot of those young guys in the ring and that pans out to undertaker outside the ring it's just a, this guy at the end of his 30-year career watching the next generation right outside yeah. the ring just a one of my favorite shots in the whole five episodes Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was the the poetry, and that was really cool. And that brings me to something I do want to mention here. This it not really play into much of it, but um, they, you know, uh, Randy Orton has a talk has a little thing here talking about, you know, just how much Taker's done for the younger guys in the business. And he says, you know, this was they show up them on SmackDown in two thousand two. It's in like what Orton debuted in like April, right? And then. This match may be in May or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's a couple weeks after he's been been there. Yeah. But, you know, he says. You can tell he liked me because I was arm dragging him, hip tossing him, giving him backdrops. He was taking all these bumps for me because he wanted to go out there and really make the young kid look good. I remember we came back through Gorilla and Vince was like, what are you doing? And Undertake just looked at him and goes, well. It's good for the kid. I'm trying to make the kid. Isn't that what we do? And that response right there I thought was so cool. And it just showed me he just wants to make me look good because he knows that I'll return the favor farther down the line. Which is just, that's right, man. you got to give to the next generation. It shows him, you know, with, with, with Bray Wyatt and then him with Jeff Hardy and the ladder match and stuff. And, like, he's always been about putting, even though he may win the feud at the end, you know, like whether it's a, Ken Anderson or what's it, Ken Kennedy or something like that or MVP people like he but he still goes in there with these young guys and still works Batista Edge you know uh, he still works with these young guys and tries to put them on the map and I just seeing Orton do that I man like I just thought that was it's like dude I'm I'm making some new talent here like isn't that what we're supposed to be doing like I just, he gets it man he gets it yeah we see it weekly man like Shelton Benjamin yeah. we talked about on here yeah. like a guy he. He beat him every time they wrestled, but he always yeah. gave him a ton of stuff and let him get near falls and let him get all his suplexes and stuff in, man. He always did that. Uh, so, so cool. 
Uh, yeah. And he's he's going to do it for AJ. He's going to help get AJ over, although not quite at the Saudi Arabia show where they start things off and AJ <laughs> Taker squashes him no. without taking his hat or his jacket off. But uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's funny because Taker does what he says everybody tells him to do. They're like, just come out, get the music, the walk, the choke slam, the pin, the pose, and everyone's going to go home happy. Which he's like, I'm not good with that. Well, he has to do it here for this match. Yes, and he, he wins the Agro Crack Cup. Yeah, he wins that, and then he. Throws his uh, wrist tape in the garbage and says, Kobe. I don't think it takes too big a brain surgeon to figure out what's going to happen. Kobe. Uh, this is kind of the launching pad to mania. <laughs> just like yeah. nonchalant, yeah. man. Just like yeah. something he always It's like a middle of a sentence. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, so you know, I went out there and did that. Drop. Kobe. It's, just, it's <laughs> awesome, dude. So good. <laughs> Maybe that was something he got from uh, the New Day. Oh, man. Seeing them, dude, this is one of the best parts of the entire series, dude, is Taker. He's spraying his hair backstage, which is weird, but and him and Kofi <laughs> and Big E talking. And, dude, because they're basically laying out the entire match. That's what they do nowadays. They lay out everything. And Taker's like, I just don't get it, man. And Kofi's joking, like, you know, we got to just build on what you you guys did, you know? And he's like, you know, y'all didn't have high def back then, so we got to worry about everything. And Taker's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. And they're just they're just going back and forth, just ribbing each other, like, just kind of – improv and you know biggie's like you know if i grab the wrist like this it shows too much you know skin to the high dev camera and kind of turn about this way and it's just funny watching them go back and forth talking about it because they're trying to justify why they you know mark out everything and he's talking about him well, and triple said, h don't call anything yeah i think he said something like they didn't have time to go over stuff at the last saudi show because they kofi or whoever took up too much time and by the time yeah. they were going to go out there and, and practice some stuff, it was already – they were already letting people in the door. <laughs> he was like getting yeah. on to them for that sort of stuff. But it, yeah. it was it was, it was great. It was cool it that was they great, have that man. kind of relationship with Taker. Yeah, those exactly. Guys. Exactly. That was great. Yeah. Um, we hear Undertaker and AJ and Michelle McCool talking about the build to this – boneyard match for wrestlemania 36 and how aj was starting to make things really personal with michelle and how michelle was actually getting a little hot about it a little bit even <laughs> and starting to hate aj and taker under explains how okay well aj's gonna bring in my personal life doesn't really make sense for me to be the dead man i need to bring in something else i kind of need to tap into this American uh, American BA character, the, the the biker taker thing, and we actually throw back to the debut of Biker Taker at Judgment Day 2000, and actually hear we hear a few seconds of Kid Rock on the WWE Network, yeah, which we did not hear on the pay per views when we were going through them. So I guess they just missed it. <laughs> they missed that. It maybe if you only play like six seconds, you can do it or something. I don't know. Who knows. Yeah, but you know, I thought it's interesting because this was before the COVID nineteen had shut everything down, and like they were still, he was still bringing this. He called it the Holy Trinity, and it was, it was, it was basically you know the American BA, the biker taker, the dead man, and Mark Calloway into all going to bring them all to to meet AJ Styles. Which to me, I'm just guessing here, but it's almost like he kind of knew. Again, they're supposed to wrestle in a ring, so he kind of knew this is it for me. Like. I'm going to go out, but I'm going to bring Mark Calloway in this so I can kind of relinquish this persona of the dead man and put in, put on the persona of Mark Calloway. Like, I don't know if that's me reading too much into it, 
But um, oh, that's kind of how no, I felt no, no, he no. was why he was bringing that in here. So yeah, for sure. I think that was always going to play a part in it, no matter how the match laid out. But then yeah. of course we go into the COVID nineteen coronavirus stuff and how yeah that just plays a factor into this WrestleMania taking this huge change of pace, but it opens up the doorway for them to do something different. These two guys could do something cinematic and special here. Uh, so they, uh, we get this awesome footage of them constructing the boneyard at this old farmhouse in Florida's dilapidated area. And now they built it up in just a few days um, we see them laying out the match with Anderson and Gallows and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but then something devastating happens for Mark um, just a few days before WrestleMania. Uh, his brother passes away from a heart attack, which I had no idea of. And him just talking about it now, you can see how emotional he still is. It's still very raw for him a few months later. And... Mm-hmm. You can see how that's going to play a major factor in his decision making coming out of this match as well. Yeah, and this is one thing too, man. It's like this was not an a dirt sheet at all. This was not online anywhere. Nobody spilled these beans. He's been doing a lot of press recently with all these podcasts and interviews on the ASP and some of that, and he hasn't mentioned this one time. We got this revelation. During this episode called Revelation, you know, he finally revealed this. And this has happened back in March or uh, April, I guess it was, uh, or end of March, beginning of April. So, you know, but he says, you know, like, I, I, the show's got to go on. I still got to do this thing. But like, how surreal. He talks about how it's kind of weird, like, there's caskets and tombstones <laughs> oh, yeah. and, like, my brother's <laughs> dead now. But, like, you know, like, how surreal it was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's a pro and he goes through with it because, again, he's – he eats, sleeps, and breathes his business, and he gives everything to it and to the fans. And we even see that again because when he punches a hole through the the the, uh, the, the window and he gets glass in his arm, which kind of like Goldberg did Goldberg. back in '99, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have to stop production and like stop the shoot, and he has to get glass pulled out of his arm, you know, like which is just like he's a, he's a freaking pro, man. He didn't owe me that. He didn't owe me that. <laughs> like he didn't owe you that. None of us. No, he didn't have to go through this match at all. Like I just learned like so much in this episode. Like he didn't have to give any of this for like us, you know. Like and, like and he did. And you can tell though, like I said, how much that's going to weigh on him going forward here as they do the boneyard match, and it is just a rousing success. It, it does finally, after a few years, it does steal the show at WrestleMania. I think mm, that yeah. Along with the Firefly Funhouse, those are going to be the two things anyone remembers this WrestleMania for. Um, it ended up being the best possible scenario for Taker yes. and AJ. Um, although I thought it was very interesting how Taker said this match was almost more exhausting than a real wrestling match because mm-hmm. it took so many hours to film and we'd we'd do a few spots and then have to take a break and set up the next thing. And, um, you'd get up for it and then your body would get cold and then you'd have to warm up and do some physical stuff Uh again. And you're doing, you know, they were doing all these spots and and stuff. They didn't have stuntmen coming in and doing this stuff. They were still doing it. Um, and they only had a limited time to film it. You got to do it all at night. So you've only got a few hours. You're on a deadline here. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I could totally, I haven't thought about that, but I could totally understand that. 
Uh, but it ends up it ends up getting a great reception from people. Yeah. And Taker talks about how much that meant to him. It was like reading the response. He, it felt good in the moment, but just seeing yep. how people responded to it too, that kind of helped cement the big decision he's going to make. Yeah, it, it did, you know, and he, and in this talking about his brother dying and stuff like that, I think Michelle McCool's like nephew died too, or something right, right. around that time yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. He talks about, you know, how, it, how important it is to be with your family, you know, and he says, you know, because uh, we see them two months later and they're fishing. So I guess this was just in end of May or June or so, whatever. But um, well, they know, took a says, break you know, between uh, these first three episodes. So I think yeah, some of the stuff yeah. for this last couple were just filmed pretty recently. Yeah, like yeah, and he says that you know Kobe Bryant's death made him realize you know how it's time to be present and to give home the attention that he he's always given the business. You know and um. I am in no way trying to promote myself or anything, but I literally just wrote a song about this, like, what, three, three weeks ago called Time, about, like, you know, like, I got three little kids, and, you know, uh, you got friends, and you got family, and, like, this, I was thinking the same thing. That he When he's talking about this in this episode, I'm, like, getting choked up thinking about, you know, like, this is the same stuff I was feeling this the other day when I wrote the song, you know, just about, like, you got to be present now and, you know, don't have any regrets and just go, you know, don't, there's no second chance to just do your best now and give everything to your home life too, that you give everywhere else. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty funny. You know, um, I just thought it was funny how like that worked and it's really hit me, you know, and it being father's day, I think too, just kind of hit me too, yeah. but pretty cool. It was very honest and very touching and, and very real yeah. as he shared all that. And we saw the footage of that. Um, he, Undertaker talks about how he's got to separate himself from Mark Calloway, mm-hmm. or he's got to separate Mark Calloway from the Undertaker and figure out what do I do next. And he says, you know, the words that everyone's talking about coming out of this. If Man, if there was ever a perfect ending to a career, that that right there is it. If Vince was in a pinch, would I, you know, would I come back? It's time only tell there. In case of emergency, break glass, you pull out the Undertaker. I mean, I, I would have to consider that. Never say never, but at this point in my life and in my career, I have no desire to get back in the ring. We talked about it. We did a little bonus, you know, uh, reaction to that match immediately after it happened. And we talked about how that match could have only happened after 30 years of the undertaker. Yeah. He earned that ability to pull that sort of match off. And we've seen some of these cinematic matches they've done since then, you know, they've been kind of hit and miss. You know, some people have liked them more than others, but I don't think any of them have, have hit quite the way that this one did. Uh, I'd say it's better than the firefly Funhouse, even. And that one was really cool and unique in its own way. But I think this one I'm biased, obviously, but I'm going to say this one is going to be the one that people will remember and put above all the others that have come after mm-hmm. it here. Um, and there's one reason why, and it's him. It's him. It's him all the way. Yeah. And and AJ is a great foil for him, and uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, they play a great part in it <laughs> as well. And it's cool that they got to have their little moment in the sun. But yeah, of course, they got fired 10 days later. Of course, Undertaker qualifies it and says... Yeah, Vince was in a pinch, uh, you know, and had to hit that, or 
break in case of emergency glass for the undertaker uh i'd consider it but uh time will tell uh but as of now i have no desire to get back in the ring which ah, man it's just even after all this time it's it's pretty shocking to hear him say those words finally mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, and yeah, I think. But just seeing it unfold, and seeing his humanity, and seeing how much he wants to be there for home, you know, and be present, like you said, for be present with his family, and uh, and I getting mean, that scare I with really, Goldberg and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, he talks about yeah. that so much, and how you know he's not as sharp as he wants to be, or, and his body is not as resilient as it used to be either. Mm-mm. So, literally, every time he goes out there, he's risking making his wife a widow so and and having his brother die and seeing kobe die it it, all all these episodes all of these storylines really play into this moment yeah they really do and then we get troubadour by george Strait playing Mm. to close the show out and it's just really really cool great so i'm glad that they licensed that they also licensed uh, for whom the bell tolls metallica when they recap the uh, uh boneyard match so really glad they got that there but you know, it kind of ends here with um, some, uh, I guess, friends reflecting on Taker, and McFoley makes a fantastic comment saying, you know, he put a lot of people on the map, you know, and JBL says that he never had an off night, which we've talked about, you know, like he, even if it's, you know, like I say, even if it's Ken Kennedy, he's going out there and putting his best foot forward, and um, never tried to mail it in, and uh, but then you know, Taker even says, you know, I hope the fans realize how much I gave and how much energy they had that got me through those nights. And it's just, uh, it's humbling to hear how much he puts us on a pedestal. Uh, we put him on a pedestal. It's just kind of fun to see that reciprocated. You know, you don't often hear about that from uh, famous people, <laughs> you know? Absolutely, man. It's so special to see him hopefully at peace with everything. Cause you know, like you said, like so many have said, he didn't know us anything. He could have retired 20 years ago and it still would have been yeah. a legend, man. He didn't, owe us any of this but he kept wanting to give back and kept wanting to do it um there's some great shots of him with some of his friends throughout the years like mm-hmm. Brian adams and yokozuna and the godfather our boy um some just great behind yeah. the scenes shots of them you know the bsk on the back of the bus and at bradshaw's wedding and all these funny uh photos throughout the years as the undertaker says that famous one with the. Uh... The Click and the BSK yep. and Austin and all those guys, too. Yeah, yeah that's a great one. Taker says, this time the cowboy is really going to ride away. I did things my way, and I'm going to leave my way, and I'm good with that. And I, I hope that's the case, man. I hope he is at peace with it. Um, we've said since day one, it's his decision to make. You know, we, we hoped mm-hmm. he was retired that first time, but he wanted to come back. <laughs> and it was like, all right, if that's what he wants to do and he's having fun with it, that's awesome. But... Man, if he's happy with how it ended, then that's what that's what counts, man. Because that was a very memorable, very iconic way to go out as well. It told a great story. Oh yeah. And this this series told an incredible story as well. What a, what a special um, companion piece to that career and to that ending as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like I said, it's the best thing they've ever done on the network. They'll never be able to duplicate something like this, but. I just personally hope that the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, knows that he doesn't know any of us anything else. Like he is seriously giving us above and beyond. Like he doesn't owe us anything at all, man. Like 
I wish I could just talk to him and tell him that, like, you're good, man. Like, like, like Batista said, like, he just stop. Like, it's okay. Like, you're you're done. You know, like, it's okay to be done. Um, you don't owe me anything else. Like, we you know, we met this guy, and that's the icing on the cake for me too. Like, he's a really cool guy too. Um, but you know, I just really, really think this is the greatest thing they've ever done, and it really, really just cemented him as, you know, the guy. You know, maybe we can say that to him at one point. You know, he's been on every other podcast. Uh, lately, maybe he can come on ours <laughs> eventually. Yeah, he's going on all kind of lame stuff too. Let's come on ours. Man. Come on, man. Come on, Mark. You got time on your hands now. Uh, yeah. But seriously, you know, when we started talking and doing this podcast, we wanted to trace the evolution, not just of this character, but of the business. And mm-hmm. what better way to illustrate that than this Last Ride series in general? Because. 30 years ago when the Undertaker started a series of this nature, not just on a, on a wrestling network, but just something with this sort of backstage access would have been unheard of. But the fact that we're able Mm -hmm. to watch a series like this with such great cinematography, with such great storytelling throughout the whole thing, it's partly because of the success and the dedication of the Undertaker. I mean, he is Mm -hmm. a huge cornerstone of what the WWE and Vince McMahon has built over the years. And going back to that Vince relationship, man, I think that's so telling. Vince used to rip on WCW about having Hogan and Savage out there when they're in their 40s, basically. They're mm-hmm. still relatively young nowadays. Um, and he's right. still bitter and having uh, the Huckster and Nacho Man and all that stuff. But, you know, I think... I think Vince sees himself getting older and I think he Mm -hmm. relates to these older guys more and more. I think that's why you've got Randy Orton in the big show main eventing on Monday night raw this past week and having a storyline with each (laughs) other is Vince. He doesn't want to push those guys out the door anymore because Vince is like, he sees himself. He doesn't want anybody to push him out the door. He doesn't want anyone to say, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm old. I don't have anything to offer. Well, no, these guys have something to offer. And I think that's why he, had that connection with Undertaker throughout these years and allowed him to keep coming back and kept wanting to use him because Vince saw himself an Undertaker in a lot of ways. Um, and that's something that kind of revealed to me throughout this episode and through this whole series. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And, um, you know, we have said since episode one, he wasn't our favorite wrestler. I mentioned it earlier, but like, I think after this, we can safely say he's the greatest performer of all time. And we've talked on this show about how, you know, wrestling is subjective, you know, and there's best match, greatest match, bestest. And like, you know, I'm not saying he's the best wrestler or he is the best performer, but I think he is the greatest performer because of how he kept kayfabe. I mean, again, there's, this is not, anybody else like no one no other character could we do this on because they've been exposed we know their real life we know the skeletons in their closet we, nobody knew his brother died it was only three months ago like you know what i'm saying like he kept that close to the vest as well you know like i don't know i just think he's the greatest again i think Shawn michaels is the greatest in-ring performer or rick flair or whatever like that's not even a question in my mind but like as far as the greatest performer like just overall everything character brings everything to the table keeps it serious gives you 100 percent all the time 
like like I said earlier, he uh, you know don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass the company, don't embarrass me. He this this is the guy, this is the one. I I can't say it any better, man. This this whole series is a perfect companion piece to him. It is worthy of his great career. It's funny. It's emotional. It uh, deserves. It's real. It deserves an Emmy, Oscar. Give it a Grammy for George. This was on ESPN. On <laughs> yeah, they could get an Emmy. Yeah, it's uh, you know, just as good in my opinion as the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary as far as wrestling goes. Um, all right, final awards for this episode, man. Final Undie awards. What's your uh, best cameo on episode five? Ooh, uh, cameo. I'm trying to think whether many cameos. Uh, uh, I think on maybe this just. One. Oh, I think just uh, seeing. The guy, the NXT guys. I was not expecting okay. that at all. Yeah. Like so, that would just That's blew me point. away to see him there. So just them as a whole, not one person, but. Uh, by you. Yeah, I'll say uh, Elvis. <laughs> Seeing Elvis <laughs> at Madison Square Garden and hearing about him on here, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, funniest moment. Uh, maybe. Um, something we didn't even mention, which was that they tried to rib AJ about yes. uh, who Taker was going to face at Mania. And Taker told Vince to call him and say that he is going to work Mania, but not against him, against some young kid from Tennessee. <laughs> and AJ's like, dude, they are the worst rivers. Like, they suck at it. Called Vince up. I tried to rib AJ. I said, look, I'm going to do it, but I want you to call AJ for me. I want you to let him know that, uh, that I'm going to work Mania, but just tell him that I'm going to work with somebody else. <laughs> Vince. He goes, well, I'll talk to Taker. There's some kid in Tennessee he wants to, to get over and stuff on that. And I'm like, what? He goes, no, no, I'm serious. You got to, you probably need to call him. And then I, I call Taker and said, listen, there's this, there's this younger kid that I want to put over. I was like, bull crap, man. That's bull. You know, so it was, uh, they tried to rip me, but come on. That was great. Uh, <laughs> I'll say uh, Kobe. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> might have been it for me. Uh, and you know, biggest revelation. I mean, it, it's just it's got to be it's got to be the fact that Undertaker is walking away. I mean, that's that's the revelation for all of this. I had a feeling that's how this whole thing was going to end when they announced it. Um, I'm I'm glad it ended that way and not with like some. Thing where he's talking and AJ busts in and they start going, you know, not some storyline. We got real the whole time. It wasn't storyline, you know, it wasn't anything building to a TV match. This was all the real deal. So, and again, he said never say never. You never know. But if they want to have one more at Survivor Series where it's actually his 30th year or whatever. But again, you don't owe me anything, Mark. <laughs> this is fine with me. You're good. Go out. It's all good. Well, we did do a poll on our Twitter page. We asked the, you guys, the listeners of Talking Taker, do you think we'll ever see The Undertaker compete in the ring again? 59.3% did say yes. We do think we'll see Undertaker in the ring wow. again. So 40.7 said no. We actually got a lot of votes for that one. So pretty good sampling of Undertaker fans. What say you, Travis? Uh, will we see The Undertaker compete in the ring again? I do not think we'll see him in another match, like Bell to Bell match. I do think we'll see him again. He'll come out and, you know, the gong will hit. He'll come out and do a promo or he'll come out and do so. I think we'll see that, but I don't think we'll see him in, in between the ropes doing another match again. 
Yeah, I kind of, I, I would say I would agree with you. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if it, there is another match. Um, right. But he's got to have, he's going to have the Hall of Fame eventually. He could have his mm-hmm. own night of the Hall of Fame. Um, I would love to see him at Survivor Series this year, but. I mean, I just want to see him in front of a crowd one more time. Whenever yeah. we're allowed to have crowds back in the arenas again, he's got to have the dead man entrance one more time and let the fans say thank you, Taker, to him in person. I just I want to see that. I need to see that. He deserves that, um, and I hope he's able to get that. Uh, and, yeah, uh, if he's okay with being done in the ring, then, then I'll be okay with it too. I'd love to see him in a another match with fans, but I understand if he wants to be done with it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple more things to wrap it up here uh, real quick. There are some bonus scenes, as I alluded to earlier. You can find them all on YouTube, and we'll try to link up some of them on our Twitter page here. Um, real quick, there's one of The Undertaker doing cryotherapy. I believe this is before WrestleMania 34. and uh, He's getting... Uh, mm-hmm doing everything he can to get ready for that match. And he says after he hops out of that cryotherapy chamber, he's cool as a cucumber and he hates cucumbers. So we don't don't quite get the story of that, but he does allude to it. Uh, There's another one about that raw 25 special and also about him doing make a wish appearances before that raw 25 show. Oh yeah. And uh, basically says that weird promo on that night was intentional, and he wanted to confuse the fans and not have them knowing whether or not he was going to come back uh, before oh, WrestleMania okay. 34. Well, he nailed that one, though. He did. He nailed it. Uh, there's a story Stone Cold has told before about having to ask Undertaker for permission to use the Skull logo and how Undertaker approved it, and he didn't have to do that, but he helped him make his career off that. Uh, there's a some footage of people like Stone Cold, Batista, Bray, Shane, all these guys talking about Undertaker's iconic entrances. There's a scene of Undertaker talking about his favorite WrestleMania opponents, or just favorite opponents in general, like Bret Hart, Kurt Angle, Batista, Ric Flair. And then there's an extended scene of JBL talking about that uh, rib on Undertaker trying to get him to break character and how... Uh, he also says the reason why he has a giant scar on his head is because yeah. he had that cowbell match with Eddie Guerrero, and Eddie Guerrero busted him open, and he was bleeding all over the place. And when he was getting stitched up, Undertaker was talking to the trainer and was making the trainer laugh, and the trainer got distracted yeah. and, and did a terrible job on his stitches. So that's why JBL still has a giant scar on his forehead. So uh, like a rib uh, from Taker. Yeah, it's hilarious. It'd take you about 20 minutes to go watch some of these deleted scenes. It's definitely worth doing if you're looking for some extra content. But if you really want to go in depth, uh, there are, I don't know if everybody knows this, but there are these post-mortem specials on the network that is basically some video podcasts for each episode. Mm. Talking to, um, there's one with Michelle McCool after one episode, one with HBK, one with Shane McMahon. Uh, the last one had AJ Styles and some of the other, I guess, I think it's some of the guys from the Bump TV show. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yep. I know you watched one of them, Travis. Um, I didn't really watch any I'll, of them. I watched the AJ Styles one today and just a couple quick notes from him. He just, you know, says that 
obviously he's flattered that that was Taker's last match. If it was, he said, but, you know, if there's any way they could do one in front of fans, he'd be honored to do that. You know, he'd jump at the chance. And then he also mentions how his best WrestleMania match, like in the ring, was against Shane McMahon. (laughs) And Shane McMahon and Taker are always going back and forth after each other, and Shane wants redemption from the cell. So he said, what about a three-way? He was just kidding, but he thought... Yeah, that would be fine. I don't know. That could be can't. a trade wreck. No. Yeah, it would be. He's like, you know, Shane would just jump off something and we have to dodge him and all that stuff. But, yeah, he does say that, you know, he he respects this guy. And he said even before he was in WWE, guys, he was in TNA with the New Japan or whatever. Like, these guys he wrestled around would say, like, you you just you got to meet Mark. You got to meet Taker. Like, you got to meet him. And so he said once he got to meet him and get to know the man, he's like, I just learned so much from him. And he says the same thing we said. He said, I think, in fact, he said the word nuances. He said he does the little things better than anyone in the history of the other wrestling business has done, whether it's from his entrance to his gear to the things in the ring, the way he carries himself and the little things he does during a match are better than anybody he's ever been in the ring with, which coming from AJ Styles is a big compliment, too. For sure. For sure. Um so, yeah, there is a lot of extra content if you can't get enough of this Last Ride series. Um, there, I did read a rumor from WWE DVD News on uh, Facebook and Twitter that there right now there's a mystery DVD set on the calendar mm. uh, in, the, in the fall of this year. And they're speculating that they could see a DVD or Blu-ray release of this series. So... I haven't bought a wrestling, I haven't bought any DVDs or Blu-rays in years, uh, but that would be, I'd have to make an exception for that, especially if they put some bonus stuff on there. That would be really cool to have it on a physical copy. Oh yeah, I'll be there. I know Randy Turk will be there. Oh, without question. <laughs> um, well, let me end it with, with Randy Turco here. We asked for you guys' feedback on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Talking Taker all the time. And Randy's basically our third co-host at this point. So, um, of course, you know he's going to give his feedback here and says, For me, the most revealing detail was Undertaker's internal struggle, finding that balance between health and time with his family and his passion and finding the right exit for his character. I had read reports for years that he didn't value the streak or titles like the fans do and that he was willing to drop either of those at any time. And I felt, I thought he felt the same about his finale. I was shocked to see that, like us, he had the same desire to see the Undertaker character exit like Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair. And I'm so glad to see that he found that exit Possibly, <laughs> although in a very different way. The Boneyard match was against the right guy, small enough to bump around and make him look good, and it also gave him the benefit mm-hmm. of second takes if he needed to hide father time. Well mm-hmm. done. Clapping hands emoji. So I think that sums up what we're feeling. I think that sums up what so many of you are feeling. Um, what a special, special gift that we got this series. I will forever be thankful for it. Um, I can't wait yeah. to revisit it again for a third time, and because uh, it was just one of those things that I know I'll go back to and and rewatch so many great episodes. Uh, my wife sat there and watched some of them with me, and she was entertained by it. I mean, it's even if you're not a wrestling fan or if you haven't watched wrestling in a long time, it's just, it's just great storytelling. It's a great document, much like that Michael Jordan documentary was great, whether you care about basketball or not. 
I think this show would be great for anybody. That's my next goal is to get my wife to watch this with me at some point. So I think she'll, I don't know. She might enjoy it. She <laughs> might hear me. We'll see. It's great, man. We'll talk her into it. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope you guys will tune in with us next week. We're, we'll keep. Uh, we'll get back to the swing of things. It'll be weird going back after this, but we are committed to this. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go back to uh, Bragging Rights 2009. It'll be weird to go back to that, but it's Undertaker, yeah. Batista, CM Punk, and Rey Mysterio in a fatal four-way match. A uh, match I've never seen before. It'll be fun mm-hmm. to see Undertaker going up against those guys. And we'll get back to the regular, normal swing of things. But, man, this has been a special one, Travis. I'm so glad we got to talk about it together. And just the timing worked out perfectly. Uh, what a great way to celebrate 150 episodes. Um, yeah. Man, just uh, love doing it. I love doing this with you every week. And uh, I love doing this episode with you, man. Absolutely. It was great. It was uh it was a good last ride, and we thank you guys for staying with this long ride we took. But you know, we had five hours of stuff to recap, so we left <laughs> out a lot of good stuff too. So, but I uh, hope you guys uh, can hear how uh, you know we try to keep things lighthearted, but some of this is kind of serious and emotional too here at the end because it's just, it was a it's a somber, sobering uh, piece of uh, art we just watched. You know, and his and his work was art; it really was, and you could tell that. He gave his life to it. And we're talking to him, we're talking about him like he's dead. He's not. He's still alive. He's just, this character is possibly dead. And he can go be the man, the husband, and the father that he's supposed to be. And give, like he said, give the attention to home the way that he's given to the business and to all of his fans. So I hope and pray that he gets that. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what your undies are. What, what are your undies for each episode? Your uh, ba- favorite cameo? favorite or most uh, you know surprising moment and then uh what was the most funniest moment yes yeah let us know your undies for each episode and not what you're wearing not the underwear you have on your body but let us know I what mean, your you undies can send are for those. each episode our, our dms are open send those to at a dorio anyway yeah hit us up on all the social media accounts what are they at talk and take her at everything at everything yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all good man but thank you guys for listening we appreciate it uh going on this journey with you guys has been so special as well and we're looking forward to finishing it out and undertaker you're retired man uh, you're welcome to come to the cookout whenever you want welcome to come to our barbecue we'll come to you no doubt exactly I'll take a week off, come over there just because. So who knows? But anyway, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this. Let us know your thoughts on uh, this episode, these episodes. And uh, like we always say, you know, uh, stay safe out there. And we hope The Undertaker can do this. We hope Mark Kelly can do this. But we, all of you guys as well will take her easy. This time, the cowboy really rides away. Two, three, four. Well, life comes quick like a waterfall And time rushes by, don't you lose it all 
And the sands keep falling through the hourglass And the time keeps ticking as the grains go past It's so desperately We pray you'll see And then time is spent Time is a gift It's time to live In the present tense Moving forward No wasted breath No second chance Time is a gift Time gets closer to the end But you can't go back to where you begin well, The cats in the cradle or so they say Well I'm spinning sunlight making hay So desperately We pray you'll see a time is spent, time is a gift It's time to live in the present tense Moving forward, no wasted breath No second chance, time is a gift Time is funny in its own way Tomorrow, today is yesterday Time is funny in its own way Tomorrow, today is yesterday So desperately We pray Time is spent, time is a gift It's time to live in the present tense Moving forward, no wasted breath No second chance, and no time is a gift Time is spent, time is a gift and it's time to live in the present tense I'm moving forward and no wasted breath and no second chance you know time is a gift